This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you for listening to Knockin' Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. I really felt the power of my sobriety like soon after I stopped drinking and doing drugs. Like I um, became far more productive and I was already being productive, like surprisingly productive while yeah. I was wasted. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, you know, instead of just tapping into dark, constant darkness, it was more about being inspired. And when you have a clear head, I, I like for me, I just feel like it really played a huge role in, in making everything that I do, but especially the music. 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams and working hard, and always striving to make those dreams your reality. We believe life is too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road. That road you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. So listen up. There's a special deal for listeners of Knocking Doors Down. Go to 5150LTM.com and enter code KDD20 and receive 20% off your purchase. That's 51FIFTYLTM.com. This episode of Knocking Doors Down is sponsored by Mad Moose Barbecue. Make sure you check out their award-winning barbecue sauces and rubs at madmoosebbq.com. That's madmoosebbq.com. This episode of Knocking Doors Down is brought to you by Recovery in the Middle Ages, a podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. These guys are hilarious and informative, and they're brought together by their common struggle. Mike and Nat get to know each other's addiction story on air and realize they have more in common than they thought. Find Recovery in the Middle Ages on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, and MiddleAgesRecovery.com. That's MiddleAgesRecovery.com. Jason here. And Uncle Mikey. This is Knocking Doors Down. We talk with celebrities, experts, and everyday people about overcoming their adversities to find success. That could be addiction, could be trauma, could be mental health issues, and they open up about the pathways that they took to achieve lifetime success. Hey, Mikey, Kat Von frickin' D, dude. That's right. Kat Von D. We got her. Hey, you guys are going to hear it. She opens up about, uh, you know, where she fall into a, fell into addiction. Uh, the Provo, Utah school that also was attended by Paris Hilton, generating a lot of her trauma and just how she never really felt she fit in, even within her own family structure. And, you know, her house is exactly how you would expect it to be. 
you know, <laughs> yeah. dark gothic and all that. Like it was, it was totally Kat Von D esque. Just an awesome experience. You guys are going to hear it, and we definitely appreciate you uh, checking, knocking doors down the podcast out with Uncle Mikey and myself. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast, and you can go to kddmediacompany.com. Uh, or if you're like Mikey and you prefer the video version. At uh, the website, you can also get the link to YouTube. It's just that simple, right? I'm more of a visual guy. I need to see it. You are a visual guy. And uh, hey, for some visuals on uh, our 5150 LTM gear that we're wearing, our sponsor that we couldn't do any of this without, check us out on social media. Knocking Doors Down on Instagram and Facebook. On Twitter, it's at KDD Media Company. You'll see us wearing that 5150 gear. And by listening to this podcast, we've got a 20% discount for you. What's the code, Jason? Use KDD20, that's KDD20, and you get 20% off at checkout. One more time. KDD20 for 20% off at checkout, and that link is in the podcast description for 5150LTM.com. Sick. I gotta say, your son's so impressive. Oh, uh, wow, he speaks better than me, yeah. too. He's <laughs> his full Spanish. And yeah. He's trying to talk to me. I'm like, buddy, you, you trumped me. That's the best I can do. Spanish. He said something well, in Espanol. I'm like, what? Yeah, he, he, he only speaks Spanish. I mean, um, when both my husband and I were born in Mexico, so uh, Spanish was our first language. And when we decided to have a kid, we were like, you know, it would be cool to pass that along as well, just yeah. because we benefited so greatly from being bilingual. And, mm-hmm. um, and so we really want that to be part of his like roots and heritage. So it's yeah. cool. And uh, I think kids absorb uh, languages at such a young age. Like I don't remember learning how to speak English. I just remember we moved to America and I was like, okay. Uh, I, my mom's like, I came home from kindergarten speaking English. And so I think um, he's, you know, he's al- already naturally learning English on his own. So it's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> well, and knowing multiple languages is only going to benefit you in the future anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, totally. it's, it's such an American thing. I can't remember. I think it was Eddie Izzard, the comedian. He's like, more than one language in your head. How preposterous. No brain can do that. And it's like, and, and you're right. The younger they are, the more they absorb it. Because yeah. people forget we think in language. And yeah. it's such a different structure grammatically. Totally. Verbiage. Yeah. He's just loving me this whole time. <laughs> I feel so welcome. That's Nietzsche, yeah. everyone. Nietzsche. <laughs> I'm so glad you love cats. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's all I animals. Got I got licorice at home. Black oh, cool. cat. Big black cat. Nice. So, oh, I got a... Um, I put your album on for this dude because I'm a crazy music fan. and oh, I, lo- cool. I love prayers, too. Yeah, oh, awesome. And, uh, and he's like... That's Cat's voice? <laughs> well, you got to figure, I've been watching you forever. You know, right. LA Inc., Miami Inc., I've yeah. seen you on it all, and it's just like, wait, that's her? Like, I had no idea. It sounds great. Oh, it sounds incredible, you. but I'm just like, I, I would have never guessed. If you wouldn't have told me who this was, I would, yeah, yeah I don't. But. I think a lot of, when I announced that I was going to come out with music, a lot of people were expecting it to be like metal or, sure. you know, more in the rock world, because, I, I, I mean, I love metal. I've always been in sure. that world. But I also love a lot of, like, the analog synthesizer sounds of the 80s and, uh, I love Depeche Mode and yeah. oh, Depeche know, Mode, yeah, Cure, sure. Susie and the Banshees, all that stuff. So, um, so yeah, I think naturally, I think um, my voice kind of lives in that world versus like I can't sing like you know a lot of my favorite metal bands. <laughs> I was like I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> I gotta also ask because I saw her live a couple of times and I saw her perform with Pink when Pink opened for Lenny Kravitz. 
Working with Linda Perry. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, she's cool. I mean, uh, I've known Linda a really long time. I, th- I think she actually lives around the corner from here. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah, she's she really helped me, especially in the beginning, because, you know, I've, I've been so... Well, first of all, I, I was brought up on classical music. So I started playing piano when I was five years old, which not a lot of people know that. So music has always been kind of the driving force of everything mm-hmm. that I love. And, uh, and then it wasn't until, you know, later on when I wanted to write music... And I really had to break away from the structure of classical music because um, it's all about perfection and accuracy. And right. uh, whereas I think, you know, one of the, the big lessons that I learned from Linda was like to break away from that and be okay with it being imperfect. Right. And I, I love that. I mean, when you listen even to some of, some of the tracks uh, that I've written, um, some of the vocal takes, like we, we picked... The ones that where I do crack and where there's that like human fingerprint and sure. I think there's like a beauty in the imperfection. So do you yeah. think that's kind of been lost a little bit in music yeah. with the move from you know the like you said the analog and people give me shit because I still like records. And yeah, it's like, oh me too. And and it's not they're like oh because you say it sounds better. No, it doesn't sound better, <laughs> but there is something tangible about yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Like, like you almost get to be a part of the art and the artist and there's a yeah. physical thing and the yeah. needle hitting the record. And it actually and- does sound better. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on your system, I guess. But yeah, I think that there is something lost in music and, you know, I think there's something for everybody, obviously, like uh, some people like auto-tune or, you know, sure. like kind of robotic approach to music whereas um you know my greg my synth player he he always talks about like how our music is like we're trying to put a soul into a robot and mm-hmm. um so you have like the best of both worlds you know right. you have like the the computer aspect but then you also have the soulfulness of like the yeah. human fingerprint so yeah i don't know i think uh music is is cool in in that way that you know you can go in any direction and there's something for everybody but I'm I'm definitely more particular about my music and the stuff I listen to. I don't really listen to a lot of like modern day groups. I don't I don't think most. I don't either. <laughs> yeah, I'm so stubborn with my music. He knows. So when we make our drives and whatnot, he knows what I want to yeah. listen to, and yeah. it's just like he'll play his stuff, and then he just automatically puts on the Chili Peppers because he knows that's what or like Guns yeah. N' Roses or yeah, something. Yeah, And I'm like, all right, here we go. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We're good. But uh, you were talking about cracks and imperfections, and yeah. the first thing that came to my head was "Give Me Shelter" mm-hmm. when the court when she was singing. Murder. Yeah. And her voice crack that like it gives me chills yeah. every time because it fits so perfectly. And it, totally. it's like more passion in yeah. it. So I love it. I yeah. know exactly what you mean. I love that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you in the actual songwriting process? Because you know, cl- when you're classically trained, you learn, learn chord structure. Yeah. And everything it's a different else. language. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like rock music, they'll some of my favorite brand, bands, they broke like rules. It's like Of course. Yeah, you're not supposed to go to that chord. But if we only play like a fifth power chord, we can. Yeah, and, yeah. Did you put um, that approach? No, I mean, I, it was all just about feeling, you know, and I think that, like, I mean, when I, one of the reasons I think I, I fell in love so much with, with metal was because I did come from that classical music background. And like, when you listen to metal, like the, a riff on a guitar is so similar to like a scale on a, on a piano. And so I loved, like, I loved being able to admire the musicians because prior to that, I was listening to like a lot of punk rock music, which is like power chords and which is cool. I think there's time and place for that too, but um, but it wasn't anything that like, th- it didn't feel like there was that much magic behind it, you know, mm, like yeah. magic in the sense that when you listen to something, you're like, wow, how did they do that? Or that must have taken years to master, you know, and that's why I loved um, 
heavy metal music but then and then after that i discovered like post-punk and then it married all my favorite things which was like lyrics and different chord progressions and um instrumentation you know there was like almost symphonic aspect to it as well and um and i, I and I, i'm a hopeless romantic so i love poetry so yeah. that really spoke to me but yeah i think uh yeah, mu- music's music's cool in that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. It's the universal language. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so I, I I gotta ask too with how now I mean because you've been doing music all your yeah. life like since you were five. Yeah. Did it seem like now that you're you're long term in your sobriety? We met yeah. your beautiful son. Yeah. And you woke us into your beautiful <laughs> home and all the wonderful people that yeah. are here. I got lost like four times already. <laughs> Did, I paint a picture. I was, Don't be a I was trying to find the card. I'm like, it's Yo, big, ha- big house problems. I couldn't oh, find you my way out of here. This my is how room. every. No, not you. I meant in the house. I got yeah. lost. Um, <laughs> like, this is how every horror movie starts. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I knew it was going to end this way. Yeah. Oh, I'm on these house. I yeah. dig it. I love our architecture actually yeah. initially when it never mind this is about yeah. you not me <laughs> no, I love um it. so d- was it something that like hey i'm long enough now my sobriety you know yeah. your husband I mean, your awesome son that it was like I, it's time to put something out yeah i mean i actually wrote that album uh over 10 years ago and i've been sober 14 years mm-hmm. so I, I started writing you know shortly after i got sober and i think that like it's interesting because Um, you know, I know sobriety is not for everybody. I know some people can hang with having like drinks on the weekend and it doesn't affect them the way that it does to an addict like me. But like, um, I really felt the power of my sobriety, like soon after I stopped drinking and doing drugs, like I, um, became far more productive and I was already being productive, like surprisingly productive while I was wasted. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like, you know, instead of just tapping into dark constant darkness it was more about being inspired and when you have a clear head i I, like for me i just feel like it really played a huge role in in making everything that i do but especially the music because i don't think um you know like you said i've been playing music all my life but it wasn't really until after i got sober that it felt like okay like um i have a clear intention of what i want to do sure and um and i you know yeah i always say like i I would be nothing without my sobriety because like I wouldn't be an awesome wife an awesome mom or an artist. Like I probably wouldn't show up for this interview, you know, (laughs) or if I did, I'd be hungover, you know? And so, yeah. So it's like, I always say like sobriety's first before anything, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) for me at least. (laughs) Did that really help to the, uh, bond, uh, with Raphael? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, my husband, uh, I actually met him years and years ago when I wasn't sober and I don't really remember it very cle- clearly. He remembers it a lot better than I do. But uh, I always say that it's so great that we got to meet at my worst, you know, like, yeah. uh, and he still loved me and saw saw the goodness in me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and he waited around, you know, and obviously we, we kind of had different life paths. Like, you know, I think he, you know, ended up, you know, going, he opened up a restaurant and then did the music stuff right. much later. And then we didn't really connect until, you know, maybe like five or six years ago when he was working on a record and wanted me to sing on it. And then black uh, leather, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it, which, which was, it was interesting. Cause like he, he was completely different than the last time that I saw him. And, um, and it's cool. I think, I think, I think like we had to grow up a little bit, a lot, like in order to like reconnect at a better time. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, you know, I, I think like, the first time where I, I learned that he actually had feelings for me, like he came over and then we haven't been separated since. So, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Where do you think for you, like, I know for me and working, you've been sober a lot longer than I have, but, you know, working the steps, the retrace of things, was it, you know, a lot of us, we just find it's trauma for me it was trauma. yeah was it, for sure was it really a trauma-based thing for you and i like yeah i wanted to be like my heroes like motley crew mm. and metallica yeah and, you know all the you know all yeah those things and i came from addiction so. yeah well i think that um well actually sorry to go back to what you actually asked about Raphael, was that if it brings oh. us closer together um yes like i think that i don't i don't think that i could be with somebody that wasn't on the same page sure. um you know not to discriminate but it's like there's a certain language that comes with sobriety and like a certain way of life that like I didn't understand it until I became sober. I actually used to make fun of it all the time. Like, oh God, you have to go to AA or you have to, you know, when's the the step where you don't have to take a step anymore, you know, like, and because right. I didn't understand it, you know, and then obviously I, I got super out of control and, and uh, found my way. But uh, I think that that's something that bonds Raphael and I together. He's been like straight edge for much longer than I have. And, Mm. um, and I don't think he dealt with like addiction in the same way that I did as far as like, like I literally lost myself to it. Whereas Mm. for him, I think he dabbled a lot and then he was like, this, this isn't for me, you know, and it was easy for it or easier. It was simpler for him, you know? But, um, but to go back to the, the other question you were saying about trauma. Yeah. I think trauma plays like a huge part in it. You know, I think when I look at my childhood, no one in my family drank or did drugs. Like we were all, I come from a pretty religious uh, family and uh, very PG 13 on on all levels, you know? And, um, but it wasn't until like, um, you know, I, well, let's see, it's kind of a a long winded story and I don't want to make it long winded, but uh, so when I discovered punk rock music, I was about, um, you know, 13 or so years old. And it just really spoke to me. Like I always felt like I didn't really belong within my family unit or within anything. Like even going to school, I was just like, just felt different. And mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I also was, uh, we moved to America. When we moved to America, we lived in the Inland Empire, which is about like two hours out of LA. So that, and at the time there was nothing there. It was like tumbleweeds and tweakers. And <laughs> that's it. Like there was no Starbucks or the 210 freeway. And um, so it's, it's, it's a lot nicer now. But um, so there wasn't, it wasn't like, there was a, a, a diversity of people there. It wasn't like there was, uh, you know, everybody was kind of just pretty straight laced and normal. Um, I mean, there was some rough areas, but for the most part it was just like regular people. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, where, where's my tribe? You know, because I loved punk rock music and I could see the, the records and like, the, you know, the, there wasn't anyone else that was like outwardly expressing themselves the way that I felt. And so I just always felt like out of place, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, um, I remember I ended up shaving my head and my parents just like lost their mind. How old were you then? I was 14. And well, there's nothing it, more punk rock than Or Mohawk, Yeah, yeah. And I was, you know, and I was tattooing all my friends by then. And so I think my parents were just like terrified and rightfully so, you know, sure. they've come from a different culture and they, um, like, like many people, like most people back then, they really associated tattooing with like a, a criminal lifestyle sure, or yeah. like, um, prostitution or whatever, you right. know? And so, uh, there wasn't any tattoo shows at the time to make mm-hmm. it popular. And I just loved it because of the art, you yeah, know, and it was, sure. it just spoke to me. So my parents ended up taking me like to a, they, they basically like wrote off all their rights as parents and, um, sent me off to this like correctional school. That's what they were sold on. Like, Oh, this is like a therapeutic, like boarding school where, you know, they're going to help your kids like, 
you know, just be stand-up, you know, citizens or whatever. And little do they know that it was just, like, the most torturous, like, awful, abusive place that I can't even begin to understand that places like these are still even open and operating. Where was that one? And this was in Utah. Same, is that the same one Paris yeah, went to? Yeah, exactly. My sponsor went there. Yeah, too. so so they know all about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's How crazy. Old were you when you went fourteen. So I w- th- They sent me there when I was fifteen, and I spent my sixteenth birthday in oh, there. Oh wow! And so I was in there for six months, and like I didn't see the light for of day for six months. Like it was really crazy. There's no windows. Uh, I mean, you, and there was just like the most um, cruel and abusive forms of discipline. I guess you would call it that. Just was. Uh, pretty traumatizing, you know, and I really felt like a desperation to get out. And so I tried my best to play along. And then I finally, you know, got out. I don't know if it was because my parents ran out of money because these places are super expensive and we were not of wealth, like we were pretty poor. So I think my parents ended up putting the house on loan and all that stuff to put me through these, this terrible program. And when I got out, I think I just had so much trauma that like, um, you know, for six months, I wasn't allowed to use the restroom without being supervised. There was wow. no doors on uh, on any restrooms. So like you just have like the sense of privacy just eliminated. Yeah. And I just remember like once I got out, I was like, I really needed to use the restroom. And I was just holding it until it hurt because I was like scared. Like, what if I close the door and then they send me back, mm-hmm. you know? And that was around the time where I really started drinking. And like, I didn't realize that I was trying to self-soothe and try to cope. Um, I just felt like I wanted to escape this reality. And I wasn't drinking for fun. You know, I think some alcoholics get into it because they're they're like going out, partying with their friends, it's fun, and then it gets out of control. For Mm -hmm. me, it was just like, I need to escape. And Mm -hmm. so I was buying disgusting bottles of like like you know alcohol that i'd thunderbird or yeah. 2020 um no i think i was i was getting whiskey but um but and then i got caught like uh, at, at the the boarding school that i was sent to afterwards and uh and so they kicked me out and my dad picked me up and uh took me home and I think my parents just did the best that they could, you know, with what they knew. I mean, you got to understand that back then there wasn't any internet. I think AOL just barely was launched. Mm. So it wasn't like you could research, oh, let's see a Yelp review on this, you know, because if you if you check out the Yelp reviews now, it's just like horror story after horror story. And so it's like my parents were just like, they were told by somebody, this is a great place. Like, look at the brochure. There's all these smiling children. And it's like, <laughs> oh, little do they know it's like nothing like that. So yeah. so I don't hold like a lot of people when they when that the story broke about that place, um, people were just like, how could you forgive your parents? And it's like, well, I think as a parent myself now, like I know that I'm just constantly just trying my best. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there's and, I, and I've accepted that. I'm going to fuck up, you know, and that's part of becoming a parent, you know, and uh, um, for me, it's more just like more important to look at like the things that um, didn't work for me as a child. Like, you know, I basically took notes from my parents of what not to do. (laughs) I want to break that chain. Like most people like in trauma, it's like they tend to like repeat it which is weird Mm -hmm. you know like when you look at like domestic violence like if if your mom was beaten up in front of you you have a a much higher chance of um choosing a partner that will be abusive to you Mm -hmm. which i think is crazy because you you know you would think that it would be the opposite so but maybe we find some familiarity in that i don't know um i think i think so because the brain it's just how it works and how we identify things. You know, you think like smell and sound and, you know, those things trigger yeah. memories. Like if I smell chocolate chip cookies, I think a child. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, I hear, you know, and yeah. justice for all. It's hanging out with my older yeah. brother, you know what totally. I'm saying? So yeah. 
I, I think it's I think so. I think it's like okay, this this is what I know as normal. Yeah. But uh, to me, that's a little bit of like unconscious living too, though, you know, because like I want to be conscious in the de- the decisions I make. Like, do I, does does this actually make me feel good or am I doing this because it's what I'm used to? You know, right. it's like I want to become a better person, especially right. now I think like having a kid, I know it sounds like cliche and stuff, but like that's like so much more important to me than anything that has ever been important to me. You know, it's like I want my kid to have like a fair chance at like, you know, a good life you yeah. know not trying to avoid him having you know any suffering because i think suffering builds character as well but like th- i definitely think I, I went through unnecessary amount of suffering and, sure. and that that i think can cause issues and baggage and all that stuff and yeah. and of course i went to therapy for years after i got out and um it took a, a while to you know kind of get a grip on things again and and what's weird is that when paris hilton released that documentary um, you know, she had reached out and said, Hey, I heard you were, you were also at that Provo school. Would you speak on this? And I was like, yeah, you know, uh, I've actually never talked about it. I never told my parents all the stuff that happened in there. And, uh, and all these people kind of came out of the woodwork that I was in there with. And it was, it's really sad. There's some, some girls that, um, are having a much harder time. Like, I don't think about those days anymore because I processed them and yeah. moved forward. Mm-hmm. And some of these girls are still stuck in, um, you know, in the trauma that, that they experienced and it might've been worse than what I had mm-hmm, experienced. Yeah. Mine was pretty bad, but, um, so it's, you know, it's, it's pretty intense. So anyways, I think that's where my drinking started. <laughs> <laughs> more with Kat Von D on the way. We talked more tattooing, falling in love with her husband, creating a family that moved to Indiana that they're talking about that they're going to do. And so much more stick around here at knocking doors down. We share the stories of people who overcome adversity. You know that already, but what you may not know is that our partners at the Carlos Vieira Foundation aim to help people who struggle with their own adversities as well. The Carlos Vieira Foundation helps those in need through their race for autism, race to be drug free, and race to end the stigma campaigns. You can also choose the Carlos Vieira Foundation as your charitable organization on Amazon Smile to contribute as well. To learn more and support these causes, check out all the info at carlosvierafoundation.org. Recovery in the Middle Ages, a podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. Hosts Mike and Nat brought together by their common struggle of addiction. They get to know each other's addiction story on air and realize they have more in common than they thought. They discuss current topics of interest to the recovery community, including 12-step, alt-recovery, the newest medical research, and with honesty, humility, and a lot of humor, talk about their daily struggle to maintain their recovery and anonymity in the world of soccer moms and PTA meetings. If the neighbors only knew. Find Recovery in the Middle Ages on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, and MiddleAgesRecovery.com. That's MiddleAgesRecovery.com, a proud sponsor of the Knockin' Doors Down podcast. So before you became a mom and realized that, you know, parents, you just want the best and, you know, kids are going to fuck up or whatnot. Did you hold on to resentment to them for years after this? Yeah, I think I did. I did. You know, and it's it's interesting because, like I said, I haven't ever really talked to them Mm -hmm. about it. And I thought that maybe after I had put out that video explaining like what happened, because these people literally kidnap you in the middle of the night and they uh, blindfold you and take you to the school. I mean, it's like really barbaric. Wow. I thought that like my parents would have 
possibly heard about it and reached out. But, you know, I also think some generations are like less evolved in like being emotionally available to talk about stuff. Like I, I'm like, I don't mind talking about all of this shit. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, I don't mind talking about feelings, you know, I'm like comfortable in, in in all my downfalls, you know? Yeah. Whereas I think certain generations, they're like, we don't talk about that stuff. You know, this is too hard Mm -hmm. to deal with. So, but I think uh, like my sister, for example, she used to always minimize my experience there and that really caused a lot of problems you know she'd be like oh i'm sure it wasn't that bad mm. and it's like i saw girls raping each other yeah. man like yeah. you know uh, like I, I, what do you mean it wasn't that bad you weren't there you yeah, know exactly and um so it's yeah it's it's interesting how everybody kind of processes it you know and uh, i mean i don't necessarily really i don't really get along with my siblings so i don't you know it's not like they're in my life all the time but but i think um yeah, it's weird. I, w- I don't think I'll ever really bring it up to my parents so much because I don't want to, uh, I don't need to hurt them. I think yeah. it was a hard time for them already, you know, mm-hmm. in, in their mind, they were like, oh, we're losing our daughter. Like she's shaving her head and getting tattoos and, you know, uh, running away. And that's terrifying. I mean, I can't imagine what I would feel like if my son ran away, sure, you know? Yeah. And so, and I've, again, I've also forgiven myself for my part in those situations because you know, and I've, I've asked for forgiveness and made amends with my parents, um, you know, over the years and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I think in the beginning there was some resentment. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I also don't think that holding on to something so negative is good for you. Sure, and it's no, like, of course. So you just got to do the work and process it. And yeah. most people don't want to open up those doors. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, dude, I'll, I will bulldoze through them <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I don't want to live like this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if I hadn't have done it, I would have continued to probably drink myself yeah and on a lighter note you tattooing at a young age i mean your tattoo you you did okay in tattoos in the future right i think it kind of got you on the map definitely benefited you in the future so everything worked out totally yeah i had to Uh, prove my parents wrong a few times yeah oh shoot that's uh-huh. always, sorry to cut you oh, off. That good. was always one of my thing too, is uh, I have a bucket list and it's not too gnarly, uh-huh. but one of those things on the bucket list is for example, like I want to be on field for a Niner game. I love the Niners. I'm a huge fan oh, and cool. I don't know how the hell to get on yeah. field passes <laughs> and I need a tattoo from Kat Von D. I swear. So I'm just like, when this I saw that true, you were leaving to Indiana, yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> now I gotta, <laughs> go, I gotta hurry up. Get on the, you know, 30 year long wait list. I'm just, I don't know if it's that long, but it's just like and go to indiana like damn it so you're sorry right, i got family there. My damn visit. Heart. Yeah. i love motorsports right, cool. we go to a race oh cool we'll nice. see each other in the future yeah i hope so uh, i hope so yeah. what was that how do you reflect back on on that success with the tattooing industry yeah and i mean even the, the haters of it it's like oh, yeah which i can't just can't stand it's like people you know what if you don't got nothing nice, nice to say, say yeah yeah i totally well you know i think uh like I got onto Miami Inc. in my very early twenties. You know, I'm 39 now, and um, and it was pre sobriety. So mm-hmm. um, I was trying to handle like addiction while filming and while doing something so new that nobody had any idea what was to come of this. You know, I, I've never was one that wanted to be on TV. It wasn't like I was like, oh, it's my dream to be you know famous or to be on a TV show. It just happened, and I I tried my best as to be a good representation of art. And, um, and then, you know, it ended up being quite successful. And mm-hmm. so then they gave me my own spinoff show, LA Inc. And I did that for, I mean, so many seasons and so many episodes later. And I got sober shortly after opening up my shop there. And um, it was, there was, 
really great things that came out of it. And there was also very challenging things, you know, mm. I mean, there's, um, there's not like no one preps you for, um, what to expect. You know, I think like I, I'm fortunate, I, I'm fortunate enough that my parents were really great about teaching us, um, what's really important in life, you know, mm. and that's probably, you know, from going to church and having those certain values that like, basically like money, fame, status, all those things are, if anything, they're, they tend to be pretty evil most of the time. You know, we yeah. don't put importance on that. Like, you know, it's all about who you are and like as a person and who you're surrounding yourself around. So I feel like the bigger I got, the smaller my circle got. And I just really hung out with people that were in my corner that didn't care about any of that stuff. So I didn't have a lot of yes men around me or anything like that. You know, it's like, um, I hung out with my family a lot and I think that that made it easier to kind of stay grounded yeah. um, and not lose sight of things. Cause I think I have met people who've like started believing their own hype and you're just like, Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've worked in radio for 20 years, primarily. Yeah. Rock, yeah. So I know what you, you know. mean. Yeah. It's like, buddy, you, you, you just use the bathroom just like, yeah, I do, exactly. You know? Exactly. Like, I don't know. So, you know, I think that, you know, there's a little, a lot of great things. I got like a book deal. I ended up getting a makeup line. I did some really wonderful things. I traveled the world. I, you know, had my shop for 14 years and met so many amazing people. And then, you know, then there's also like the invasiveness of the public you know mm -hmm. like there's a certain expectation um a lot of criticism and you'll never be able to please everybody which is something that um we all know anyway yeah. you know so i think those are probably some of the bigger challenges but um other than that i mean i don't know people i've i've been like i said i've been so used to being an outsider all my life that it's not really like if you don't like me, I don't really care. <laughs> like I'm kind of used to it, you know. Yeah. Because the thing is, is like I don't think I am for everybody. I think that you know, I think I'm unique in my own ways. And if you like me, that's cool. If you don't, that's cool too. Like I don't like everything either, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah, that was a really hard thing for me to accept. Yeah, because Mikey knows I just want everyone to love me because I yeah. just love everyone. Yeah, and everyone I meet, it's like we're friends now. Yeah, it's like. Buddy. <laughs> we'll have little pep talks and I'm just like, Jason, fuck them. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> gives a shit. No, yeah. I know. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's okay. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's sure. my Jiminy Cricket with the sailor mouth. Yeah. That's why we're that. yin and yang. Yeah. With this yeah. Kind yeah. Of thing. No, no, it's true. And, um, you know, and um, it's funny because my husband and I, we talk about it too. Like, we really feel like it's us against the world in a way. And it's like nice. Like, I feel so lucky that I found my partner and that we get to like navigate through these crazy times together and, yeah. and like build our own little family now, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's not, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's not really anything you could say that like was going to make me cry or anything, you right. know? I mean, people say like, you know, they don't like the way I look or if I'm, you know, some days I'm too skinny and some days I'm too fat. It's like, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Who, yeah. Who yeah. Not the person yeah. that I love yeah. loves me deeply and Exactly. Dearly. Yeah. I got one. I'm yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Peace out, bitches. <laughs> now you're getting it. Yeah. 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 I, I am. You know what? And it's 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 really the hardest thing. Yeah. Is my biggest defect, people pleasing. Yeah, and totally. I've had to work on it. It's like Yeah. You know, my girlfriend, she's sweet, she's the one that paints my nails, she's yeah. just cool as shit, and she's just like She's that way. She's a little spitfire. Like, yeah. Fuck them. What, yeah. What does it matter? Do the, are they your kids? Are yeah. They us? Are yeah. They, they're not in your home. Who cares? Totally. You know? Yeah. Go suck a you know what. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it's hard for me. Yeah, sure. Did you have to work on that too? Um, Or was it? A little bit. I think, I don't know. I Maybe just like the punk rock upbringing. I just never really like, 
I just don't believe in living for other people, you know? Sure. And so you're always kind of thug life. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you know, probably like t- not to my benefit too, you know? It's like, <laughs> like uh, yeah, you know, like I didn't go to high school, you know, I didn't, I dropped out, I think my second week of my freshman year, which isn't something I would promote, but it's like, to me, I just was like, oh, this isn't for me. You know, yeah. I already know what I want to do. I'm already tattooing. Like, I'm just going to go into that trade, you know? Yeah. And I, um, whereas my dad, you know, he's, he comes from like uh, an educated background and it's like, um, you know, he worked really hard and went to medical school and all this stuff. But, um, but I would always tell him like, you're so miserable. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh cool. Like you get like some letters behind your name, but like, you're so fucking miserable. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. want that. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, and there's some people that, that they find joy in that. And that's so cool. I think that they're meant for that. But like, for me, I'm like, oh, I don't like, I mean, I, when I first moved to Hollywood, I lived in a crackhead apartment and uh, had like it wasn't even a one bedroom. I lived in the, this living room, and um, wow. no car. I had walked to work, and I was just high on life, man. Like I would like skip over the the stars on Hollywood Boulevard on my way to work every day, and you know it was just so exciting. Like what tattoo will I do t- today? You know who knows? I might do one. I might not. Who knows? It's gonna be great, and yeah. I'm gonna give it all. And every day I'm getting better and better. And it's like I think that's that's like uh, the key. You know, it's like figuring out what you love and going for that and sometimes it doesn't um if it's not a hit that's okay like as mm. long as you love it you know but i wouldn't want to um do something that i hated for for money i think that would just be like soul sucking it's miserable <laughs> i lived yeah, in like yeah. crackhead apartments too i'm curious where was yours when you first moved here on yucca um okay it's probably still there um but I, I mean, when I when I say crackhead apartment, it's like literally everybody there was oh, yeah. a crackhead. No, yeah. same, yeah. same with mine. Yeah. I lived off Las Palmas and Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. I was around the corner. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's funny because um, in Pretty Woman, when Richard Gere at the very end saved um, Julia Roberts, uh-huh. the uh, Hollywood bus would be like, and this is where Richard Gere saved her. <laughs> and she was in the slums of Hollywood. Yeah. And I was just like, what the fuck? Yo, I this is where I live. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn. That was my introduction to Hollywood. The first morning I woke up, I woke up to that tour and for a year, woke up to that bus every damn day. Uh-huh. I, I just remember one of my favorite memories was like the gate. I hated this fucking gate because like, um, it wasn't the kind with the remote control. Like, so you would, park your car in this little tiny alleyway and then when you would leave you'd have to get out of your car open the gate get back in your car drive forward get out of your car close the gate mm-hmm. and then get back in your car and go and it's just like i just want to fucking go yeah. <laughs> one day i was like not having it it was the morning and i just had to be somewhere and i was like all right i'm getting out of this gate and then um and superman fucking <laughs> you know superman the guy that yeah, does sure. the, the famous one he just like swoops in with his cape and he's like, don't worry, I got you. And he opens the gate for me. I'm like, thank you, Superman. <laughs> I was like, this is the coolest. I love this. Hollywood's awesome. Fucking Hollywood, right? Yeah, Jeez. only in Hollywood. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how do you look back on like the opportunities that, that came to you? Like the, you know, the makeup line and yeah. the book and everything yeah. else. And, and, you know, it's like, and having a lot of that stuff on TV yeah. as well, you know? Well, I mean, I love documenting things, so I think that's one thing that I really did take away from like filming the TV show because we were we were a docu-series in the beginning and it was like, I loved that, um, you know, the idea of being able to look back at something um, and not just in photos, you know? And so, even, you know, I still feel like I document things all the time and something I'll pass down to my son, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, 
but yeah, and then uh, you know the 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 books were the first thing that kind of came, and I really enjoy writing. I I love reading. Um, I probably would cringe if I had to read my books now because I wrote them so long ago, and I think I've grown up a lot since then. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I I, I used to write like that. Like, like like you know, I do like a sentence or a, a fucking paragraph that could have been done in a sentence, you know. But um, but yeah, so that that was exciting because I got to go on book tours and like. I've always loved meet and greets. Like I love hugging people. I love like feeling that energy. Like I've, I've never felt scared of that. And I still don't, you know, and I, I love that. And so, um, I went on three book tours for each of the book and it was just great. Um, and then after that, I got the, like shortly after that, I got, um, asked to do the makeup line. Mm-hmm. And I think that was thrilling in the beginning because there wasn't anybody doing it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, um, there wasn't any weirdos creating makeup lines. And so I was like, Oh cool. I could do something that's different. And that, that, you know, uh, it'll people like me can respond to. And, uh, and it was great. And then it just blew up into this giant monster. And like, um, I think sometimes things get so big that they do lose their magic, you know? And for me, it was like, I mean, I was, I had the makeup line for like 12 years and I would say like, (laughs) after like year nine or 10, I was definitely over it. Like, you know, it was just, corporate meetings and um you know I was no longer really being creative anymore I just felt like I was there was a formula and we created things based on this formula and a timeline and a schedule and there was like just no I, I, just, I hated it yeah you know? to get like a situation you come into a boardroom meeting and hi these are the PR and marketing people so this is what your image is gonna yeah, be like and you it, don't fucking it, get me at all it, that's exactly how, how it felt like after a while like even some ideas that I would have would be like too edgy or too you know they wanted things to be very safe and and i understand because it was like you know you have partners and they're expecting certain things but i'm like oh well you know i got into this because we were like fearless pioneers you know and then when that magic is kind of or that luster kind of wears off like why am i doing this you know and at that point i was like everybody has a makeup line and i just saw like the predictions of numbers and I was like, it's better just to cash out now and just sell it, you know? And so, um, and then, and at the time I was already getting ready to go on tour. And so I was like, this is good because if if I, if I were to have stayed, I wouldn't have had time to, to, you know, be able to go on like month long tours, you know, across the world. And then obviously like all the lockdowns happened and we're like, ah, now we got to wait a year. And and now we're finally starting to play again. So it's exciting. Yeah. Hopefully you get up our area. I'd love yeah. to come see you live. Yeah. And I blew it to see prayers. True story. I had, uh, I think it was from the radio stations, uh, Instagram or uh-huh. something. This was years ago. One that I was running and I direct messages, direct messaged and Raphael replied. He's like, yeah, I'll set you up with tickets in yeah. Fresno. And I'm pretty sure I was too hung over to go the next day. And it's like, now oh, I think man. about it, I'm like, oh, I'm such a, but <laughs> no. hey, an example of how yeah. in our addiction, those things that we don't show up and totally be a part of. And I, I, man, I love watching prayers. Like, um, my husband, when you meet him in real life, he's just like the sweetest, gentlest soul. But then you see him on stage and he's like a fucking animal. And I'm just like, holy shit, like, <laughs> you're just so cool. And I mean, I'll sit there when we do like, our, you know, we do our week of rehearsals before we play. And I, I go to his rehearsals and just watch him. I'm like, oh, you're so like, I wish like like I wish I was you in some ways, you know, sure. like, like, uh, like, and that's important. I think it's important to be with somebody that you admire and like look up to. And so, um, and, and our music is completely different, yeah. you know, I mean, we have some similarities, but, but his stuff is obviously much more aggressive and crazy. And I, I do sad love songs, but, um, uh. so, but it's cool. It's like, um, 
it's amazing to be able to go on tour with him because that was our whole plan was like, hey, let's tour together so that we don't have to be away from our kid, you know? Yeah. And uh, and it's fun. I, I love doing that. I love the fact that little Leofar is going to see the world, you know, from the very beginning. I think that's so important. Yeah, yeah. that like worked out perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm like, we can never break up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I apologize. Raphael changed it to Leofar now, right? <laughs> yeah, so, so... Sorry so, about that. So, no, so Raphael's stage name is Leofar, which is okay. which is Raphael backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when I got pregnant um, and we found out it was a boy and I, I said, man, I'm going to pray that that he looks just like you. Like, I want a reflection of you. And so I was like, oh, that'd be cool. Like, we should name him Leofar because then he's a reflection of of Raphael. And so um, so he still uses Leofar as his stage name, but uh, but I always call him Ra- Raphael. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah. How do you reflect back now with, with motherhood? You said some really interesting things earlier on about, you know, your folks and not really talking about the Utah situation because mm-hmm. did, did you, do you oh, find oh, now? Oh, oh, the Provo stuff? Yeah, the yeah, Provo uh, yeah. stuff. Do you find now like being a mom that it's just like, I know for me now as a parent, it's like, fuck, my mom was amazing. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even realize until, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, I think my parents did their best, which is really all you can do. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I can, I also see some parts where they might've failed a bit and, sure. and, you know, just like, I'm sure I will at some things too, but I think the trick is to always like do better job the next round. Right. So like maybe Leofar will do a better job than we did, you know, and we learn from that, you know? So I don't know. I think some things I, I, I do trip out like, um, like my mom one time, my mom's like an excellent cook and she has like these books of recipes. And I remember one time flipping through and seeing this like really beautifully drawn, vase uh of flowers and the perspective was really great and we have like artists on both sides of our family like my grandmother's a painter and then and then my grandfather on my mom's side is also a painter and but i had never actually seen my mom draw and I, and so i assumed i'm like oh mom did grandma draw this and she's like no i did and i was like what like wait you're you're like an amazing artist you know like this is fucking great yeah. and um and i wonder how much of that she missed out on you know uh, having like the role of being like the housewife, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, cause my dad was working and then she would stay at home All with right. the three of us. And, um, but you know, I'll tell you what, she's like living her best life now. Like, you know, I think my, my parents split up and now she's like, I'm going to fucking live, you know? <laughs> and she's like doing it up. And, and it's crazy. Cause I see her art, like really like come through, like even in her own house, she makes her own sure. stencils for like custom wallpaper. I'm like, this, you're so amazing, you know? And I think that's, that's really great. But again, that was like one of my biggest lessons learned is like, I don't want to ever live in regret. You know, I want to mm. be able to live life. And, um, and even when we decided to have a child, I was like, I don't want it to become my, the, you know, I don't want to get pigeonholed into being a mom. Like, you know, I'm not going to be like, I'm, I'm going to still be myself, you mm-hmm. know? And I think you can, have the best of both worlds. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think you have to choose. Um, although I will say that I used to be a crazy workaholic and that was probably my biggest addiction more than anything else. Um, and having a kid, it's like, oh yeah, that definitely goes into like second like priority. I'm like, oh, if I, before I used to be like, oh, I want to, you know, work on this till 3 a.m. And now I'm just like, we work from nine to five and after five is, is family time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and I look forward to five o'clock. It's like, it's really cool. I, I love that. And I don't know. I guess I just grew up. <laughs> it brings like a, a whole new different level of discipline because yeah. you don't want to miss out. Yeah, sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
Yeah, but then I look at like you know I like I don't know Nick Cave personally, but like I've heard maybe he wrote it in a book somewhere that he he really works on a schedule too yeah. you know where he's like you know before for me i used to get like ideas for songs at three in the morning and i would come down and play them on the piano record them on my phone and it's like now i just like no when i songwrite i schedule it and it's mm-hmm. just um i thrive on structure and i get up early you know and it's yeah. like i think i'm cool with that i don't need to be like a dysfunctional artist you know? <laughs> and if it works for you then yeah man, yeah more power to you yeah totally are you still working the program do you still attend meetings groups all that a sponsor or is it kind of just you know i don't i don't go to meetings um because i unfortunately um and you know again it's not to talk shit about the program because sure. i think think different things work for different people uh, I tend to be a bit of a lone wolf when it comes to my therapy, you mm. know, like uh, I do better on my own. Mm. Like I love the big book. I've read it a million times. I love the steps. I love all that. But I just have found, especially in LA, like a lot of the places that I was going to, and I'm sure it's because I went to a lot of the wrong, like meetings that were wrong for me, mm. is that it was just a scene, you yeah. know? And I am like, I love the the anonymous part of it, you know, and I think a lot of that was lacking in some of the meetings I went to. So, you know, when I talk to my friends that are um, our sponsors and and uh, attend meetings all the time, they they always talk about finding these really more smaller meetings. Um, like especially like for my guy friends, they'll find all male groups and like um, in certain age brackets. And I think that 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 would have been a a smarter idea for me to like find yeah. maybe just um, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you'd go to these meetings in LA and it would be like, Oh, these people are just like practicing their bit up there, you know? And it's like, I just would see a lot of ego and it wasn't something that I aspired to be. And so like, I just, uh, it just never really drived for for me, but you know, I have a lot of friends that like, uh, that, I mean, even some family members, that's like, that's how they get through their day. And I, I love that, you know? And, and, you know, then there's another part of me that it's like those kind of meetings work for a lot of people because when you see actors or musicians that you admire and you see them that they're doing it, that's really inspiring, you know, and for some people. And so I think that there's something for everybody. It's just, uh, I, I was never lucky enough to find the right meeting for myself. At one point I was like, man, I should just start having my own meetings here, you know, but I kind of always do naturally when I, because I hang out with a lot of sober people. Mm-hmm. So like we have these conversations and, um, and yeah, so, but you know, I, I, I just celebrated 14 years. I'll be 15 in July. So That's I feel awesome. like I'm kind of, uh, pretty set in my ways about it, you yeah, know, yeah. obviously like, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I know what you mean. And yeah. it's weird for me. I mean, so many people fell off during the pandemic. Oh yeah. Unfortunately. I, I lost friends to so, so many relapses and yeah. uh, a few overdoses. Yeah. But, but, uh, you know, the zoom things and then connecting all dudes group. And yeah. It was great, but, this, but. I, but I gotta say, man, it's the zoom things don't cut it. Not as good as in person. No, it doesn't like in person is like, that's the part of like that. I think that was, when I did go to meetings that felt great was that like, it felt like the community that was physically there for you and you felt more accountable. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, especially if you have duties and it's like, like, whereas I think when you're doing via zoom, most people are, are kind of checked out. They're not as in focus. It's harder to do that, you sure. know? So that's why you get the bad internet connection. Yeah, and somebody's totally. Somebody's doing a great share. And, yeah. Uh, thanks, guys. Yeah. Carl, can you repeat it? We missed everything. <laughs> Carl, damn it. Son of a bitch. Carl, you were, you know. He's frozen. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and I know it wasn't a popular um, 
you know, what is it, opinion, but like for me, I, because I saw so many friends relapse during that time, more than, more friends than that actually suffered from COVID, I was like, man, I just think sobriety is such a crucial part of our life that like, um, I think that that's, to me, it's considered essential. Like, mm. I don't think it's something that should have been locked down or shut down, you know? I think that you could have taken precautions and probably saved a lot of lives. And um, I did lose, like, two friends to suicide as well, and I think yeah. that that had to do with, uh, one of them did have to do with relapsing. And so I think, um, you know, like like I said, I used to make fun of it back when I before I was sober, yeah. you know? And now I'm just like, oh, I could never do that, you know? Because you don't know the wounded soldiers that are walking amongst you, you know, yeah. and you don't know that like so, something that is easy for you could be a lot more difficult for somebody else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We all carry that hurt differently. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've, we've done a lot of like talking with people far more educated than Mikey and myself, but you know, it's, it's, you're using street drugs. It's fucking scary with yeah. the fentanyl out there. And oh, we're no. seeing a totally different crisis. And again, not to yeah. downplay COVID, but the yeah. numbers with fentanyl. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm it's glad killing. I stopped doing coke when I did because fentanyl wasn't a thought in my head. Yeah. A thought in my head was, you know, going through the sketchy neighborhoods to go get it, you know, or the cops putting yourself me. in situations. Exactly. Yeah. Like going through that. Fentanyl was the last thing on my mind. Yeah. So throw that in the mix now. It's like, shit, I'm glad I stopped when I yeah. did. Yeah. 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 I think we got lucky. I mean, at yeah. least my generation was, things weren't as, as intense as they are now. Like even, even with weed, to be honest, like some of the, like when I smoked weed, when I was in junior high, like it was just shitty weed and like, you know, just like <laughs> yeah. made you hungry and kind of zone out. Now, like the shit people are smoking is so intense. And I'm like, Oh, you cannot operate a vehicle on that. Like, I don't care. Like, this will make you act like a gorilla and climb yeah. buildings. <laughs> this one can make it's like, what? like you can yeah. play soccer after this. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to bench press five hundred pounds? Here you go, skinny man. Yeah, Get your ass down there. I it's think just, I'm the rock. Yeah, it's just everything's intense. Like even like I mean, I remember doing ecstasy versus like what Molly is now. I'm like, oh, I wouldn't mm. touch any of that stuff. You know, it's just so yeah. dangerous. <laughs> I, I never cared for smoking weed, but I can't imagine smoking weed now with all the stuff they have out. I. Yeah. I freak out. I think so too. Even more than I used to when I did. I never cared for weed. I yeah, was like pills too. and powders and alcohol. That's yeah, I yeah. Did, I liked you know? uppers. So me too. <laughs> me too. When I smoked weed, I would just be like, get home that night and just be like, eat chips. What? Yeah. What happened? <laughs> what did I do? To I don't remember anything. <laughs> I was odd because like I was one of those people that definitely the allergy with booze. But for me, it like it was an upper. It was like, you yeah. Know, as you're one of those weird ones. Yeah. yeah. My dad was the same way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As it progressed worse and worse, and then it was like, you know, reactivation of trauma, but it was always that nobody's going to like, somebody likes Jason when he's not drunk. Yeah. And, and I'm naturally kind of a little more introverted, believe it or not, unless I'm on the yeah, stage. Same. And that's the yeah. thing. Like, yeah. okay, I'm here to entertain. Then I will switch personality. Yeah. But otherwise, just want to sit here and shut yeah. the fuck up. And I remember one time I tried getting sober and this was like, I've never really talked about this before, but like I was actually married before when I, I got married in my twenties, like an idiot. I was wasted. It was to a terrible, awful person that I, I had only known for two weeks. Mm. Like, I don't know why I did that because I've always held marriage as something so sacred. And I think I, I think I just, maybe that's an example of the downward spiral of drinking for me at least, you know? And I remember kind of coming out of this haze going, oh shit, I'm married. I got to make this work because that's what you do. And I, I really tried to give it a go, you know, even though this person and I, like, I think he was an extremely toxic person that like 
was not, um, I don't even think he liked me, you know, as a human. So I'm just like, why, why am I stuck here? But I remember at one point um, saying like, I need to stop drinking. Like I'm going to kill myself, you know, I'm, I'm going to end up dead. Mm-hmm. And I remember he said what you just said, which was like, he said, oh, but you're no fun when you're not drinking. Oh, wow. And I remember that night he was like pouring like, because I used to drink tequila. That was like my, my uh, what is it? Poison of choice or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he just poured it down my throat. And I just remember going like, oh, well, fuck it. Maybe I'll try again tomorrow. And um, I think that night I ended up trying to throw myself in front of a car. Oh, and, uh, and you know, thankfully I had a friend that stopped me. But um, But it's like... You know, that's a perfect example of somebody not having your support or not supporting you. And like when I got sober, I just I literally had to go through my phone and delete a majority of my friends because they weren't really my friends. Like this guy didn't care about me. He didn't give a fuck about me. Like he gave a fuck about himself, you know, and um, and those people like they're going to treat you like a party favor. Like that's not friendship. So then to me, it was like I cleared out so many people in my life. And it only just really made room for more like meaning, meaningful friendships and relationships after that, you know? Were real yeah. bonds scary at first? Um, like tr- not, just tr- not only trusting them, but I had trouble trusting myself. Oh, really? Yeah, see, I'm the opposite. I was like, I think because I had like um, probably like mommy issues that like I, I just would always like fall like deeply really quickly, you know, mm. instead of taking my time, you know? I, I think uh, it was easy for me to chase people, especially if they were emotionally unavailable. Like, you know, um, like I kind of used to equate like struggle. Like if it doesn't hurt, it's not love. Like it's not, it's not worth it. Like you got to fight for it. And then, then it's real, yeah. like, you know, like love isn't easy. And it's like, uh, I couldn't be further from the truth, <laughs> right. you know, by the time, like I ended up going celibate for like three years um, after just, you know, seeing one bad relationship after another and um and i was like i'm tired of seeing this movie i gotta fix like i'm i'm like the repeating factor in this you know Uh because i keep choosing these people that don't love me or whatever and so i remember i'm gonna take a break and then you know it was a couple years after that when i when i met rafa or reconnected with him and um and really took it I, I don't know it wasn't really slow but it was like i literally made like a pros and cons list like w- what are the red flags and there wasn't any and i was like oh cool like normally i'm like i want your red flags that's all i mean it's like, like oh red flags hang out of your ears like i love you like, let's get married like you know i can change those by the way isn't that the thing we yeah because i'm kind of a hopeless romantic yeah yeah, yeah. Ah, red flags yeah well, when i'm in your life don't worry i can change those because yeah. i'm just that yeah. powerful what an egotistical dick i was right yeah oh, uh, well when i let's talk a little tattooing yeah huh? sure yeah um mikey you brought up because i you know, I love your work, but yeah. you recently done it. Yeah, yeah, I've like blacked out a lot yeah. of my tattoos. And it's it's interesting because like when the tattoo shows first, well, right before the tattoo show started, I remember, you know, I was pretty heavily tattooed mm-hmm. already. Yeah. And I would go out and I would have my Julia Roberts moments at the mall, you know, like where people would like, you know, even I'm like, I'll buy this place to burn it down. <laughs> like, you know? But um, and then things changed, the perception changed. But like before it was like, whoa, you have tattoos on your face. It's yeah. crazy, you know. And then, um, and so then I just had a lot of like just 
um, especially this arm was just like a mishmash of like drunken tattoos, mm. like tattoos over tattoos. And I tried lasering it and then tried covering it and that didn't work. So I lasered it and it was just a mess. Mm -hmm. And so then I met um, this guy named Hoodie. He's a tattooer from Philly who specializes in all these blackout tattoos. And I just, I would look at his Instagram and I'm like, something is so satisfying about seeing this. Like it just looked so clean mm -hmm. and like simple. And I wear black every day. So it's kind of like nice, like mm -hmm. to matches what I'm wearing. And so I, I, he flew out to the shop and tattooed me and we covered up um, pretty much from here to here, like uh, from my elbow down to my wrist. And um, you did your leg too, no? Yeah, I have yeah. My, my left leg. My left leg was like the worst. Like, because that's what you would. I remember yeah. you would have people tattoo, like Steve, we, for example, would tattoo. We, we would get Steve drunk, right, and then right. I'd have like drunken tattoos all, all up and down my legs. And yeah. I'm like, I, you know, and I would just like, I had a lot of like tattoos that I just don't fall in line with how I feel anymore. Sure, sure. You know, it's yeah. like, um, so it felt good to just cover it. And mm -hmm. I, so I posted a video of me like showing people my tattoo and they lost their mind. Mm -hmm. Like they were like, why would you do this to yourself? This is so ugly. Like, oh my God. Like, I mean, they would just say like, they didn't understand it. And I was like, whoa, this kind of feels cool again. <laughs> like, like, oh, I remember when it was like, like punk rock and now yeah. it's like, okay, so this is a, like, I like it now. People are just kind of like, you know, weirded out by it. I mean, there's a lot of people getting them done now, but like, but I, I it's just a, for me, it's a personal preference thing. You yeah. know, it's not that I hate my tattoos and I'd hate myself. No, I just, I like the aesthetic. I think it looks nice. Um, you know, uh, there's some tattoos I don't really want to look at anymore mm -hmm. and that's fine, mm -hmm. you know? And so I am, I, I'm almost finished with my left leg and then, um, and we've done my right arm now and I just have to finish like the inside of it next time he comes in. So, right. Uh, but I have left a few tattoos like I that, noticed yeah. that you still like have I still a, like a portrait, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, there are some tattoos that I love, but some of them I'm just like, oh, there's a certain association, you know, with a certain time in my life that I don't really want to look at anymore. Yeah. No. And that makes total sense. Yeah. And I mean, for when I got my first neck tattoo, I mean, shit, my dad didn't talk to me yeah. for like a week. Yeah. And I was just <laughs> yeah. like, and we're, we're close. I'm yeah. like, dad, mom, you guys got to understand that I'm not doing this to try and piss you yeah, off. Of like course. when I was a little kid, I would draw football and basketball players and I would draw tattoos yeah. on them. Yeah. It's just something that I've always wanted. But when I got the face or the side of the face, I always call it the side of my yeah. face. Everyone's like, you got your face. I'm like, it's like yeah. the side it's of like my It's like your head. temple. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, they're just like, what? It's still your face. What? I know. I know. <laughs> I, I've admitted that. Like, yes, all right. I got my face. And it was just kind of like, just a shot. But my parents were like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, yeah, yeah. It's already there. You're going to do whatever yeah. you want anyways. And yeah. I'm like, well, I'm in my 30s. Don't live with you. So, but yeah. still thank you for that. But right on. Yeah. But yeah, no, the blackouts, I totally get it. Like, it's a part of your life that you may not, you've already accepted it, got, yeah. you know, and you're better, but you don't need to see it every day. Yeah, yeah. And and here's the other part of it, too. I think, not, like, as a tattooer, like, most tattooers have, like, the worst tattoos ever. Yeah, yeah. Because we got them when we were young, and we were most likely practicing on exactly. ourselves. Mm -hmm. like. Uh, practicing on our friends and vice versa. So like, it's not like I had this like world renowned, beautiful arm tattoo mm -hmm. that I covered up like a total asshole. Like <laughs> I just, I covered up garbage. That's right, what it was. Right. And like, and people are like, why didn't you get it lasered? I'm like, have you tried getting lasered? Because I have, and that shit hurts times a million. Yeah, what it's that's what and I've you heard. have to go back, like depending on how dark it is, like yeah. 20 times. I like, heard it was gnarly. So not only is it like t crazy expensive, crazy painful, the healing time is like, you know, sometimes up to a month, depending on how much you're getting lasered. And it's like, and that's cool if you really hate your tattoo and you don't want to look at it again. You right. know? For me, I'm like, I like the way the blackouts look, so I'll just do that. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's yeah. cool. 
I've talked to uh, I've talked to some people who are like, I want to get it lasered. Like, I just need to go. I'm like, dude, I've heard horror yeah. stories about it. Just tattoo something over it. Like, just yeah. But there's some stuff it. that you know is like so like in like you can't cover it up. Yeah, you know, like yeah. and and I think like even if you want to go and lighten things up, like like my husband, he's he got like his whole left arm lightened up, mm-hmm. and now he's gonna we're gonna do like a you know Santa Muerte tattoo on him or something. Oh, like cool. That. That's but um, but yeah, and and. I do respect laser because I think it, it works really great. Sure. But if that's what you want, I mean, yeah. I, my laser guy, like he can make a tattoo look like it was never there, and yeah, yeah. and your skin looks beautiful, and that's great. I just, for me, I'm like, I'm not trying to be not tattooed. I like tattoos. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I yeah. I love all my tattoos. I get some people that ask me, you know, do you regret any of them? Yeah. And I'm like, no. I mean, I have a Y'all girlfriend's just, name. Just, just the portrait of your mom. <laughs> right? Just kidding. I have it. That clip out and sending it to him. Yeah, right? I have got your mom ex's... right on my back, you know what? I have an ex's name on me, and that's, you know, you could see it if, yeah. like, I pointed it out. Sure. But if not, you wouldn't. But it's like, I don't regret any of them yeah. because it's just tattoos. Land- landmarks in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, yeah. but even the blackouts, like, you wear them well. Thank they you. look dope. Thank yeah. you. So it's like. Yeah, if you like yeah, it, that's kind yeah. of dug it. I know it like, goes uh, back to fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like Tim Comerford bases from uh, uh, Rage Against the Machine. Oh, yeah, that's he right. Had the cool yeah, dope ones. Yeah, like, forever, forever ago. Cool, yeah, but, but yeah, you're right. And I think that people that maybe don't have tattoos and don't understand yeah. it's much like music. It's kind of like a time machine. Like yeah. lines from GI Joe. Yeah, I, I love this that one here, and <laughs> yeah. I got my bat, you know, and I got my full arm planned. But yeah. I can finally afford it now uh-huh. that I yeah. got out of radio, you know? <laughs> Two kids, ex-wife, yep. it's like, yeah, you can't exactly afford the good work. No kids, I got this. <laughs> but, uh, I got this. but yeah, I think people just that maybe don't have them don't get that, that this yeah. is something that it's kind of like this thing, there's a reason we make it permanent. And it could yeah. be fucking silly, who cares? Totally. It's like, it's and that's why stuff. I had to like explain on Instagram is like, man, like, you know, I've been tattooing since I was 14 years old. Like for a majority of my life, tattooing has been my life. And I have seen every kind of tattoo under the sun like the worst things that you could imagine to like you know the most beautiful things and or things that i just would never personally get and you know what never once have i felt inspired to tell the person what i think yeah i'm just like because you don't know why they got what they got you know like i mean i've 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 tattooed um you know scribble scrabble of a child, the child's drawing on a parent that, you know, lost his child. Mm-hmm. Like that tattoo is so important to them and so beautiful to them. But if somebody doesn't know, they're be like, what's that piece of crap? And it's like, well, that piece of crap is a little bit more than that, you yeah, know? Yeah. So to me, I've always just been like, Hey, whatever flows your boat. You know what I mean? Like, um, I just don't feel inspired to criticize, you know? And so I, I had said that in my Instagram post was like, Hey, like, just remember like, you know, your idea of, um, beauty can be somebody's idea of ugliness and vice versa. So like, just, you know, before you judge, like, you know, don't, don't, you know, think about it, you know, but people are still going to be like, that's just ugly. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, whatever block. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck your mom. <laughs> uh, do you have like, cause you've tattooed some really cool people. Do you do, like Lemmy was, that yeah. was cool. That was my favorite. Cause yeah, I me too. Motorhead Everybody and, loves Lemmy yeah. too. Yeah. It's like Love one Lemmy. of my bands. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, of course. Do you have like some of those memories of people? Like you mentioned the person that lost a child yeah. or something that, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, I, it's crazy. I remember every single tattoo I've done, you know, I'll remember uh, a tattoo more so than a name because I'm, I've stared at it for the sure, hours that yeah. I've tattooed it. Um, 
you know, I've seen tattoos I did when I was 16 that I, that surfaced. And I'm like, I remember exactly what I was doing that day. It's like, um, I think it means just as much to me as it does to that person. Um, but yeah, I think some of the, the stories that I've heard throughout my life have been like the most inspiring, um, uh, things and have actually shaped me, you know, and they've actually helped me a lot. Cause, um, I, I tend to be quite, um, emotionally intimate with people like especially when you're spending that much time and i also do a lot of portraits so yeah. usually people are getting portraits because it's somebody that means something to them on mm-hmm. uh, you know whether it's a celebration or mourning and so you know i i definitely kind of I, I i just don't shy away from talking about feelings and stuff and um so yeah you know you end up reflecting a lot and i think i I have my clients to thank for, you know, the way that I am in a lot of ways and in, in, in good ways. And I think that's good. Yeah. 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 So we're saying, screw it. We're moving to Indiana. <laughs> huh? Yeah. <laughs> you and Raphael just decide, hey, this is where we want to raise Lafarge. Yeah. Kind of out of different. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, we just, we, well, first of all, we found this house that's like a really special house. And it, it was operating as, as a bed and breakfast for over a decade. Mm-hmm. And then it went on the market and I was like, you know, I've, it's been on the, the historical homes of America registry and stuff. And, uh, so I had my eye on it for a long time and it's in the middle of nowhere, kind of in a really small, tiny town. Um, and I said, Hey, let's just fly out there and look at it. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just to see. And we just fell in love with it. We love that town. Um, we love it because it's small. So we are hoping people don't, flock there you know and change it Mm -hmm. um and it was i think i was just so impressed by the people there you know it was just a lot of patriots a lot of uh working class like when and when i say working class i'm talking about real working class people and i feel like that's kind of like the heartbeat of this country and being living in the city you kind of i feel like people that live in the city myself included at one point like flattered myself into thinking that like what i do is so important but when you think about like how we feed this country and like yeah. the farmers and the truckers and people that actually are doing backbreaking work, like, um, and I'm sitting here doodling on people, you know, not to say that that's not an important job in itself, but like, you know, uh, like I would hear these terms of like, you know, like flyover states and I'm like, like they're, oh, you just fly over those states. You don't even have to know what they look like or what they're, it's like, no, those are the those are the states that are actually like you would be nothing without them. Mm, yeah. You know, it's like, um, so I just really fell in love with that. And I, and I remember at nighttime, I, my husband and I took a walk around the little town. I mean, it's a town of like less than 10,000 people. It's tiny. There's no Uber. There's no Postmates, you know, mm-hmm. um, no billboards, which is fucking refreshing. Um, <laughs> and I hate being bombarded by ads all day. Um, but, um, I remember just seeing it was around like six o'clock or so, like um, the sun had set and every house that we passed by had a little light on in the dining room and you could see people sitting at a table eating Mm -hmm. together. And that's how I was raised. Mm -hmm. Like we, you know, we sat down, we prayed, we ate together and, and we talked about our day. Like we unpacked our day as a family. Like that was, nobody ate on the couch. We didn't, um, you know, like, we weren't abandoned by our parents, you know? And I just was like, I walk around my neighborhood here and it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just that family like structure. Isn't really like people aren't as stoked on that as they are. And I'm not, that's just obviously a generalization. There's some people like that here, but that was something that just really to me, I was like, you know, 
I want to raise Leofar in nature and in this kind of atmosphere. And we're like walking or spitting distance from the Ohio River. And I don't know, I just, we just fell in love with it. And everybody that, like, I haven't taken a lot of my friends out there, but the few that have, have ended up buying property there. And they're like, you know, so we're kind of creating this cool community. Yeah, yeah my so, brother um, just bought in, in Indianapolis. So yeah. I, uh, yeah. See, I and I, I don't know Indiana at all. Like, yeah. I, I literally don't know it at all. Like, I just know that little tiny town, it's in South the south part of indiana um i've been to indianapolis like on tour but you know when you're on tour it's like you don't really get to see much other yeah. than the hotel or whatever but i have um, a really good friend in cincinnati and that's like you know 32 miles away or something so it's kind of and it's like two and a half hours from nashville so it's, it's kind of like central you know yeah. mm-hmm. and um and it comes on a bunch of acres of land and i'm all about growing our own food and um so i'm excited about you know, really being self-sufficient. I think that's going to be super important. And it's something that people, I hope, will start to pay attention to, um, like creating a homestead. I think like, you know, you're looking at what's going on in the world right now, you know, even with just with all this shortages, like the food shortages are getting real, the infl- inflation's getting real. And it's like being able to grow your own food and be not dependent on the government, I think is a really important thing, you know? So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're lucky enough to be able to, to have that, you know, to be able to like find this place and, and purchase it. And, um, you know, there's, I do want to put like a water well on the land and, you know, get some, you know, some type of energy, our own energy if we, if need be and, uh, fuck the government, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm curious when you go, is it LA is completely, are you like selling everything like property and stuff? Like, are you done with LA when you leave or is it Yeah. So originally we were going to, we we said, Hey, let's just buy this place and then we'll just go back and forth, you know, and see what happens. But I just think that like at the rate that things are going, like we just feel more like at home there. And I think it's like, um, you know, I've lived in Hollywood all my life. Like, I'm good, you mm-hmm. know, like I'm good on traffic. I'm good on like, You've I don't, done the LA thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like, I think the only thing that was really holding us back was this beautiful house because mm-hmm. I spent like six years restoring it. And it is but, gorgeous. But the, the th- but we kept thinking like, we're not never going to be here. And that's mm-hmm. a shame. Like yeah. this, this house needs to be enjoyed by a family, you know? So hopefully we find somebody that, that will won't destroy it, you know? And, paint everything white and make it modern but we first um, walked in and i was like this is exactly what i imagined with cat Von <laughs> haunted D. mansion yeah like i was just like this is the house that i yeah I, dark red you know yeah. just like the beautiful chairs and tables but just <laughs> the, know, gothic the, candles, yeah. the gothic feel yeah yeah the yeah. uh the claymore is my favorite oh, yeah. i'm really into knives and swords i was well, like well that one is a special cool. one actually because that one when i first met lemmy he um he came into my shop and um and i had this old uh it was like a a fake dagger like a costumey kind of dagger sword hanging on the wall and it was super cheesy you know and he was just like ugh that is not a real sword and i was like <laughs> i know and he and i gave him a tattoo and he's like you know what i have a gift i want to give to you like come by the house afterwards and i was like cool so i, I stopped by and he opened the door and i think he was like wearing like sweats or something <laughs> that you would never imagine him wearing <laughs> and he's just holding up this giant sword and he's like here you go thank you for my tattoo and it was like the sweetest thing ever and and so it's, that came from Lemmy. yeah and it's, wow. it's a two-handed is... a two-handed german sword 
it's in a like oh a i real... thought it was a scottish claymore but yeah no it's it's a re- it's a real uh it's not like a replica it's like really fucking heavy yeah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, i saw Can that I it was it? yeah yeah for sure for <laughs> sure <laughs> it came from lemmy dude i, I didn't yeah. want to pick it up without yeah. i was like oh that's real um, i actually pointed that out to mike yeah before we started <laughs> it was like dude check this i'm like don't touch it <laughs> don't touch anything in here <laughs> this, yeah, it's not right. your house <laughs> Yeah. Well, I know we're running short on, on time, but uh, we always like to uh, throw some uh, fun random questions cool. and then uh, jump into kind of leave you with the last words of inspiration sure. and stuff. Uh, Mikey, you want to go first? So I, I think I might know this answer, but I'm going to ask anyways. Okay. If you can have dinner with anybody in the whole world, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, my gosh. Anybody. God, I don't. I have no idea how to answer this one. See, um... Okay, well, I used to always say Beethoven because I'm a huge Beethoven That's fan. That's who I thought it was going to be. <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like he. I would be too scared to make him my option because what if he didn't like me? That's what I go in when I talk to people like, you know, bigger names like you. I walk into, <laughs> that's the story of my life. That's my job. It's like, I wonder if Cat Bunny's going to like me. I wonder oh, if no, Charlie Sheen's going to like me. Like, we're going to be I great friends. I love this. <laughs> All right, cool. But you know, well, because Beethoven had a reputation for, um, you know, really making fun of people who would attempt to play his music Um, (laughs) and i'm like oh i mean i could play your music but i would never play in front of you you know right right so i don't know i feel like um i I guess i don't know we we probably would get along who knows (laughs) i think yeah i think so him that's your answer yeah i always wonder with like the classic composers like this is not even the way i composed it i know this is not it's staccato you know or whatever it's like oh exactly the whole the whole world yeah um if you could uh, um, tattoo any one person that you have yet to, because like you said, you create yeah. that intimacy, who yeah. would it be? And it can't be Mikey or... or <laughs> we know that's your dream tattoo. Yeah, it's true, true. But is there someone um, that, that maybe has tattoos? You're like, man, it'd be cool as shit to sit down and tattoo them and talk with them. Well, I know that there has always been like an urban legend that Dolly Parton has tattoos. Right. And... Uh, and I just think she's so amazing. I feel like she'd be the funnest person to yeah. be around. I mean, I wouldn't even have to tattoo you, you know, just yeah. like, you know, just to hang out. I think she's, she just seems like such a, you know, a light of fire. I love she it. is a spitfire, yeah. man. She's yeah. just like, she's like, I'm Dolly and I know it. And <laughs> yeah. I'm do my thing. You yeah. Know? yeah. 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 Um, if you were stranded on a deserted island and mm-hmm. you can only take with you one movie and one album, what would it be? The Cure Disintegration. Would be the album. I think that's the fastest we ever had anyone answer. Usually, <laughs> it takes some like, yeah. damn, dude. <laughs> and then the movie, I would say, um, I'm a big Hodorowsky fan, so I feel like it would be either El Topo or The Holy Mountain, one of those. But yeah, it would be one of those. Okay, <laughs> those are more noir films, right? They're just like, um, they're like very avant-garde. Uh, kind of mystic films from you know the 70s, 60s, yeah, yeah. 70s, but um Hodorowsky's like I just think his mind is so amazing just the um the cinematic uh, his cinematic approach is like very do-it-yourself but still like it's like you know when you see something and you're like fuck why didn't I think of that like I wish I could have thought of that you know like I'm jealous in the best way possible yeah, but, yeah. yeah. and I, I love his poetry and his uh writings and stuff I think he's a a beautiful philosopher so I don't know. he kind of has that auteur nature to him yeah 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 um, what was I gonna say? Oh, I was thinking of someone was like, "Yeah, that's what happened to me as a kid when I saw Star Wars for the first time." <laughs> Damn it, George Lucas! Why <laughs> you um, I was—I don't know if we should ask that question because Cat is a vegan. 
The, That's why I didn't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we have this question that we do everybody, but Mikey asks it better. I so. ask it to everyone, but I know you're a vegan, so uh-huh. I'm gonna ask uh-huh. you. Um, I'm a vegetarian, <laughs> yeah, so I yeah, get it. Yeah. But uh, it's would you rather fight one horse-sized chicken or ten chicken-sized horses? Oh, okay. But let's you see. would never harm an animal. Yeah, so. you just yeah, got but, an award for that. But I, but I also think that like you know. Like, okay, so when I was little, I was obsessed with spiders, and I used to check out this book from the library called Arachnids and Their Kin, and I memorized, like, I was such a nerd, like, it was crazy, but, like, I could draw the anatomy of a spider by memory. (laughs) I was a goth nerd. (laughs) Um, But, uh, so anyways, uh, uh, one of the fun fun facts in the book is that, like, a tarantula has two, like, their most deadliest enemies is there's, like, a, a spider... Uh, wasp or whatever it's like a, a hawk hawk wasp or something mm-hmm. it's a wasp that can come from above and like sting and then ants and i just thought wow ants how are ants so like dangerous to a tarantula it's because like strength in numbers right. they could totally they attack the and army. they and they can't fight that so i was like so i think if i had to choose between fighting like t- a bunch of tiny chickens or a giant one i would probably choose the giant one and have like a better chance I didn't think about it with the ant thing. Because if they get you on the ground, you're fucked. Yeah. But a horse-sized chicken, I mean, one... Oh, no, yeah. That is... It's like a dinosaur. You're right. We talked to Chuck Liddell. He wanted to fight all of them. (laughs) He's like, give me all the big ones and all the little... I don't give a fuck. Andy Roy, too. Andy's like, I want to fight them all. Uh, Andy was dope. Um, Oh, uh, last uh, quick question. Uh, If you could have one superpower, what Mm -hmm. would it be? Hmm. Um, I don't know. When I was a kid, it used to be flying because I thought the idea would be so cool to fly. But I don't know if I'd care about that anymore. Um, and then and then and then you think about like time traveling or pausing time. That's like then they would ruin the magic of the present moment. So yeah. I don't know. Wow, that was deep but true. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, damn. Yeah, I don't know. I think. I think I wouldn't choose any. I think I would just be as as is. I'm already a superhero. Hell yeah. That's probably the it. best answer we've gotten. I love, I love it. Awesome. Well, we like to leave the guests with the last words, Kat. So, you know, any inspiration you can lend. Maybe it's, you know, people struggling mental health, addiction, the combination thereof. They yeah. tend to go hand yeah. in hand, right? Some pearls of um, wisdom. But just, you know, maybe even people, you know, especially maybe there's a, you know, a young lady out there, a young man, anybody that's a fan of you yeah. and kind of looks I, well, I suck at I suck at advice for sure. Um, I do want to say thank you so much for having me and oh, thanks for thank coming you. to the house too. Thanks thank for having us. Like, um, it's always nice to have people over and yeah, yeah. welcome them in and stuff. And uh, I think I, all I can say is that if there's anybody out there that's struggling, obviously, if you feel like um, that you can't do it, I know it sounds weird, but like, and it's super cliche, but as an example, if I can do it, you can do it. And you're not alone in this. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No worries. Thank you guys. (laughs) Kat Von D. Uh, that was just such a fun conversation, such a, an open, straightforward person. I, I just thoroughly enjoyed her and the welcoming us into her home, their son, hers and, and Raphael's little boy, just, and the kitty and the cat. Check out the YouTube because their cat was just the sweetest cat what kind of cat is that? It's one of those hairless it's cats. It's the hairless ones, right? Yeah. And I've never come across a more loving cat. It didn't try to like claw you or bite you no. or whatever. Like it was super sweet and loving. The sad fact of this whole thing is 
if I ever want to get a tattoo from her, I got to go to Indiana. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like ordinarily, you would just have to be put on a super long wait list. In L.A. It's a hop, skip, and a jump away, but Indiana, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's but you know, shits. obviously, we wish them the best, and we thank you for their time and welcoming us into their beautiful home. If you guys aren't following us on Instagram, go check it out. We have some photos posted up with Cat as well as uh, her husband. Raphael, lead singer of Prayers or Lefar Sayers, as a lot of people know him by, who he was just cool as hell. And as a, a fan of his band, um, couldn't have been more gracious. He listened to me tell a story about what his music's meant to me and gave me a copy of the album. And they were just the nicest, most welcoming people. And, and really, to me, very inspirational is kind of... And he probably for you too, maybe those kids that didn't always feel like they fit in. And, you know, it's uh, it's funny because I'm sitting there with you guys and I'm like, fuck, I am way under tattooed. Yeah, you totally <laughs> did not fit in whatsoever. Maybe with the nail polish, but the tattooed, no. But, you know, it didn't matter because she was just super welcoming and nice and all that. Overall, it was just a great conversation. Yeah, and the cool thing too is uh, she really appreciated we took her a copy of Carlos Vieira's book, Knocking Doors Down. She's an avid reader, so she said she was going to dive into that. And of course, if you guys want a copy of that same book that we gave Kat, it's easy to get. Uh, you can click the link there in the podcast description, uh, read about how Carlos struggled with a 13-year cocaine addiction, has been sober over 14, going on 15 now, and really turned his life around. Uh, not only got his uh, business on track, but um, got his personal stuff on track. You know, he's a proud father of two amazing daughters. His wife is an amazing woman, plus the uh, great work that he does with his uh, foundation, the Carlos Vieira Foundation. And 100% of the sales of the book go back to the Race to Be Drug Free program. It's got boxing gyms that kids can go to free after school, as well as some other activities, keeping them off the streets away from drugs and gangs and getting them involved in something positive. So we know when you purchase that book, if it's something for your own interest, maybe someone that struggled with addiction or mental health issues that uh, all the funds 100% go right back to that foundation and that's uh, that's really great. Yeah, it's an easy read too. I'm not much of a reader but it was a, it, it's like a movie when you read it. Absolutely. Check it out. And uh, we thank you guys for listening to the Knocking Doors Down podcast. Again, Spotify, Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast, or by going to kddpodcast.com where you can also get the link for Mikey's preferred version. YouTube. Yeah, it's all there. Uh, anything else, Uncle Mikey? Now I'm going home. On that note, keep knocking doors down. The guests on Knocking Doors Down are sharing their stories and helping start the conversation about mental health and therefore are working to end the stigma. This is the goal of our partner, the Carlos Vieira Foundation, through their Race to End the Stigma campaign. The Carlos Vieira Foundation created the Race to End the Stigma campaign to not only change the way people perceive those who are living with mental illness, but also how those who are affected perceive themselves. The Carlos Vieira Foundation strives to support the mental health community through education, fundraising, and facilitating resources. The main program through the Race to End the Stigma campaign is a college scholarship program that encourages high school seniors to share their stories about mental health in an effort to end the stigma. For more info on this and how to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org.